It is a terrific honor to be with you today and a terrifying privilege to attempt to speak a meaningful word on behalf of the worshiping community. We preachers can never quite do it justice, and yet I am grateful for this opportunity to fail once more at speaking of God, and I pray it will be a beautiful shortcoming we behold here together today. The passage I want to share with you today is probably a familiar one. So for those of you who know me, I hope you're not too disappointed that this isn't a Jephthah's daughter sermon. (laughs) I'm often drawn to the weird stuff for whatever reason, but today I want to share with you from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm thinking particularly of verses 1 and then verses 6 through 11, and it begins with this wonderful little line that therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness that has shown in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. This is the word of the Lord. I came here to tell you there are some things that they do not teach you in seminary, such as how to be a minister. You can learn tools and theology and theories, but to be a minister in the thick of things, well, You cannot learn that inside these walls, and that is what we have to reckon with. Walking out these doors into a world we do not know how to face. I don't mean to be an alarmist. It is a wonderful world full of adventure. All I'm saying is this is where you pack your bags for the journey, but each and every trailblazer by necessity learns on the fly as you are hacking through the brush and not before. I'm not belittling the bagpacking. You will not survive without a water bottle, without sustenance for the journey, without survival tips to see you through. Don't underestimate the value of what you do here in preparation for out there. I'm only saying you're not a trailblazer until you blaze the trail. I've been a real-life pastor for a whopping two years, so I hardly have the expertise to tell you anything meaningful, but I can tell you what it's been like for me since I've left this place. It's been both a delightful surprise and scary as hell. I came out of here pretty equipped. I had brilliant and kind professors and worthy classmates, and I worked hard 
to absorb and integrate all that I could. I took seminary seriously, and seminary took me into its folds and shaped and molded my practice and my mind into something usable for the kingdom. Then I graduated, and I arrived next at the most beautiful, wonderful little congregation that I could imagine, as if I were living this little fairy tale version of ministry. It's this quaint little building on five wooded acres of serenity. The place truly has a magical feel to it, and I mean that in the Christian sense, of course. I knew how to preach, and I kind of knew how to pastor when I got there, but I didn't know how to be me. I didn't know how to live with myself, so full of doubt and tension and anxiety and insecurity and seemingly unorthodox ideas. I didn't know how to bring my messy self into the church and how to minister authentically out of the center of me. I did not quite know how to feed my soul. Because in seminary, you learn crucial information, how to exegete a passage, how to offer pastoral care, maybe even how to run a meeting. But it takes a while beyond that to learn how to read your own soul, how to be a pastor to yourself how to manage the crazy mayhem inside of you. And this inner work is the absolute very most important thing you will do as a minister ever. You've got to have the biblical knowledge, the theological knowledge, the ministerial sensitivity, the work ethic, etc. These things are like parameters that steer and guide us and keep us from veering too far off track. We need them. No amount of information, insight, or skill will provide you the spark and sustenance you need to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit. I think in the daily grind of ministry, we almost forget that we are handling fire by mingling with God and by brushing shoulders with the people of God. There is this extraordinary power inside our bodies. Call it spirit, call it resurrection, call it the light that shines in the darkness, call it the face of Jesus Christ, but it has been entrusted to us, and it is by God's mercy that the fire hasn't burnt us all up into a pile of ash. There is no studying you can do to teach you how to handle fire or how to channel it. Not even a book on prayer or a working knowledge of spiritual practices. The only things we can really do as fire handlers are to keep a lookout for burning bushes as we walk through life. To add fuel to the flames wherever we spot a fire inside of us. To be reverent before a blaze. And to never, ever, ever substitute anything counterfeit for the real spark. All your knowledge, all your talent, all your strategies, all your grades, and all your degrees are inflammable. They will not ignite. You have to strike the match beneath your soul to do the work of God. And this is what you will do and learn how to do bit by bit outside these walls. Amidst all our, the tests and the essays, our professors have done their very best to slip us gasoline beneath the table. But none of that 
will matter if we do not do the more challenging work of detonating out in the world again and again. The other thing that happened to me after I started ministry is that my marriage began crumbling. And let me tell you, I did not learn how to deal with that in life and work of the pastor. Text and traditions wasn't that much help either. <laughs> Come to think. Eventually, my marriage disintegrated. This was uncharted territory. Unexplored, unknown, unfamiliar, and absolutely terrifying in its darkness. As you well know, without me saying, nothing prepares you for tragedy and grief. Grief always comes unexpectedly, always throws you off balance, always catches you unaware. Even if you suspected it's coming, it doesn't matter. It bowls you right over, and if you are human at all, you land on your face for a time when grief comes barreling through your door. I did not know what to do, except to keep my eyes peeled for burning bushes and fledgling fires, just any kind of flame at all, really. In other words, my work became to spot grace wherever I could, however small, and then to honor it. Also to aggressively feed my soul. At all costs, do what feeds me, to practice what Anne Lamott calls radical self-care. And to be authentic, even in the midst of pain, to figure out how to be both genuinely and tastefully vulnerable. These are things they cannot teach you in seminary because you can't learn them, really learn them until you are living them, learning your lessons one agonizing decision at a time. You think you get into the, min the business of ministry to form others, but really, the business of ministry forms you. You're not going to lead anyone anywhere unless you're out there yourself, forging a way for your own fragile soul in the midst of a broken world. You're not going to catch any part of the world on fire unless you keep breathing oxygen over your own small God-given flame. It is the most important work we do the care of our souls, the tending of our flames. It comes before strategizing, before planning, before preaching, before meeting with people, because if we've lost the treasure, we are just empty clay jars with nothing to give. And no wonder we're so tired and stressed and grumpy and have writer's block and lack the imagination to think of anything better to do with our clergy friends than complain about parishioners. It gets tough. I know. I know. None of us is ever connecting to spirit all the time, and none of us have this spirituality thing figured out. All I'm saying is that we've got to always, always, always return to reaching for spirit and quit for good this self-sufficient nonsense. Too often we get tired and we push ourselves 
through the exhaustion, bullying our spirits into submission rather than paying attention to the SOS flag, our whole body is waving wildly in our face. There is so much that I don't know, but this is one thing I am clear about. There is an extraordinary power that belongs to God. It doesn't come from us. So why do we keep expecting miracles to emerge from our scurry? Rather than doing whatever it takes to clear ourselves into an empty vessel, open and available for God's filling. Just like everybody else, there is a lot I am facing in ministry that I don't know what to do about. It's all over the internet these days how millennials are leaving the church in droves and theories are cropping up everywhere about how to reverse the trend before half our churches die out. You would think I would have some special insight into this dilemma, seeing as how I am a millennial myself. But all that really means is that it's often a pretty tough job just to keep myself in the church, much less anybody else. (laughs) My congregation, which is wonderful, and inspiring and magical is shrinking, and I don't know what to do about that. I don't know. I also don't know how to save marriages or how to keep children from dying or how to keep cancer from hitting families. I don't know. That's the thing about trailblazing, otherwise known as ministry. There is no map, no instruction sheet, No one is out ahead telling us what to do with the church in this generation at this frightening time in our own personal lives. We're just hacking at brush, not really knowing if we're getting anywhere, getting smacked in the face with with twigs and branches, getting tangled up in thorny vines, occasionally blessed by the brilliant presence of a wildflower, but more often than not just plumb sick of the smell of our own sweat. Afflicted but not entirely crushed, you might say. But I recently heard the writer Christina Baldwin relate a dream she had where she was at the circumference edge of a wide circle, hacking, hacking, hacking her way through the thick overgrowth towards the middle. It was tiresome, lonely work, and she was ready to give in and give up. Until she noticed that it wasn't until she moved closer to the center that she was able to hear the others who were also fighting their way to the center. The further she blazed her trail, the closer she was getting to the other trailblazers. Sometimes in this work of ministry, we feel like a hot mess, and it gets a little unclear what it is we are even doing, why we are doing it, and whether it will ever work. But this is what we are doing. We are clearing out what stands between us, what is in the way between us and the people to whom we belong, what stands between us and the throbbing center of human existence where God's incarnational heart is beating. We are reaching for that center. We are also playing with fire. From all outer appearances, we are just cracked clay jars, 
But all that clearing work makes a clearing inside of here by which we become roomier vessels for spirit and for power. Friends, you are going to leave this place and you are going to witness wonders no one could have ever predicted because God is that good. You are going to leave this place and face devastations you hoped to never know because the world is that broken. You are going to leave this place and occasionally think yourself stuck in the minutia of life because life really is strikingly mundane much of the time. You're going to leave this place and more than once feel as though you don't have a clue what you're supposed to do because this thing called ministry isn't a crossword puzzle with one-word answers. It is a jumble of heartache and hope Mystery and suspense and doubt-tossed trust. But we do not lose hope. For it is mercy that has brought us here, and it is mercy that will see us through. So may we trailblaze with integrity, passion, unkillable hope, a dying ego and resurrected wonder. May we move through this world handling fire with clay pot hands and hearts full of firewood. May we be Holy Spirit pyros, every last one of us. Amen.